welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you're a visitor, welcome. It's good to have you guys here. We call ourselves a family, so welcome to the family. We are in a uh, series where we're going through the book of Acts this summer, and uh, there's a reason for that. We're really stirred uh, to look at the book of Acts and see how this church in the first church lived as a supernatural church. There was something that marked them. There's things that marked them where they were supernatural in how they lived, what they looked like. There were characteristics that they carried that everywhere they went and everyone around them was either attracted to what was happening in them or everywhere they went there was boldness and moves of God that we believe are still supposed to happen today. Amen. And so we're looking at the book of Acts and we're saying, what did it look like? How did they live like? And we're looking at these markers and then we're doing something in our heart where we're going, look, humility is a big deal to the heart of God, amen? That maybe we've missed the mark. Anybody ever missed the mark? Okay, good, a few of us in here. That maybe it's okay to, in, in humility, walk it back and go, Lord, we're sorry if we've missed the mark on what church is supposed to be. And we wanna take a step back, recalibrate our hearts and get in alignment with your heart. Because I'm telling you, the book of Acts was radical, and I'm saying, where is that church today? And we're believing that God can recalibrate our hearts for that. So, um, we've talked about a few markers. The first one, we spent uh, time extensively in it for weeks. We talked about the role of the Holy Spirit. And the number one marker of the first century church was that they were led by the Holy Spirit. This Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you'll receive power, be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Acts chapter 3 and on, this was a power-filled, mighty, mighty church of the Lord. And so, first and foremost, they were led by the Holy Spirit. Number two, we talked a couple of weeks ago that they carry a family DNA inside of them. After the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 3 and 4, there was something about them coming together where they weren't just acquaintances. It wasn't just that they go, hey, I see you from time to time at church. Hey, every now and again, we, we, we've kind of said hi to each other passing in the hallways. They had some radical unity that brought them together where they were doing life together on the daily. And because of that family DNA that they had within them, the warmer what's happening with your family, drawn into them by the thousands. They were like, this is not normal, what's happening with your family DNA. And it was all people from all walks of life, from different economic situations and ethnicities, all coming together under the umbrella of, we are brothers and sisters bought with the blood of Jesus. We are blood brothers and sisters under Christ Jesus, amen? And so this radical family DNA marked the church. And then today, we're gonna talk about another marker. And this marker is something that we have, we have beat this drum a lot in here, and we'll continue to beat this drum, that the first church was marked as a supernatural church because they had a missional heart. They had a mandate on their life. They did not gather just to gather. They never came together just because it was just, let's just get together for no reason, right? They always came together for the mission of Jesus. And so to be that supernatural church, we have to know that there's a missional mandate, a missional heart that's been given to each one of us. We should ask questions like, why is the church and why does the church exist? What is the church and why does the church exist? We should ask questions like, what makes you want to come to this place or a gathering like this with other people on a Sunday morning or whatever? What, what's stirring you for that? Why do we do it? Is it so that we can come and maybe just a little bit of our heart goes, I feel a little bit better about myself? 
Or maybe we come and you go, you know what, I'm coming today because I just, I need somebody to tell me something good about my life. Look, if that's you, all of those are okay and fine. But there's a bigger mission at stake and it's the mission of God. Yes, be built up. Yes, be encouraged. But know that you're encouraged and built up so that you can go and encourage and build up others. There is a mandate on your life that marks you as supernatural and I think we're missing the whole other side of this thing. And it's what breaks it from being that attractional place to the missional place, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. When we talk about that word missional, you hear it all the time. You hear the word missional, people use it all the time. In fact, every business has something called a mission statement, right? And a mission statement is what drives them. It's what they're after. This is what they're about. If they have a mission statement, this is what they are. So I was sharing in the first service, just an analogy. If we're a tire store and our mission statement for a tire store is we want to produce the best tires in America and we're sending out snow globes, we're not doing our mission very well. Amen? We could send out the best snow globes in the world, but if that's not our mission, we're a terrible business. If I'm a business that makes uh, uh, umbrellas to stop the rain, and instead of sending you umbrellas, our mission statement is we make the finest umbrellas, and I send you rain boots, that's great that you have rain boots, you're getting rained on. We're a terrible business, amen? So if the church has a mission statement, and we've been producing a lot of things that might look good to the world, but not the things of God, we've been a terrible business. At the end of the day, I'm wondering if we've been putting out a lot of things that have been good. The church as a whole been putting out a lot of things that, yeah, yeah, it makes me feel good. But we've missed the mission of Jesus for what he's called us to. Amen, church? And the beautiful thing is that's not condemnation. That's just a bit of conviction. And my prayer today is that we're stirred a little bit with conviction. In Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. Yes and amen. We're not holding shame. We're just saying that conviction comes and gets to our heart, convicts us to go, man, let's get back on what God called us to do and his mission statement. So the Holy Spirit, we know, is a missional Holy Spirit. Everything that he put into the first church was to give them the mission of God in their life. It goes without saying that the Holy Spirit, without him, we, we, we can work, 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 and at the end of the day, all of the work without the Holy Spirit will be lifeless and fruitless, okay? But we know this. Here's the deal. For many believers with the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit coming in to give me power to somehow better my life rather than giving me power to live his life effectively, so here's the problem. So we, we see the Holy Spirit's coming into me to empower me so that I can live that better life when the mission of Jesus was for the Holy Spirit to come in you to make you live his or help you live his life more effectively. Now here's the thing. Both of them feel good. One of them is God. It wasn't about so that I'm living this better life, which he does, by the way, helps you to live a better life, but it was so that you would effectively live his life. This is the change in the Christian life. And so without question, he gives you that better life. I'm not going to argue that point. Holy Spirit comes in, fills you with the fruit of the Spirit. You got joy. You got peace. You got patience, hopefully. Amen? But he is charging you to live effective in 1-8 for the king. And so this is why he says in the book of Acts in 1-8 that we are to be his witnesses. So having a missional heart is a marker of the, the supernatural church. And I wanna say this because I think it's important. Having a mission of heart is that your life revolves around his mission, not his mission revolving around your life. 
Let me show you what that means. If this right here is the mission of God, this is the mission of God. Our life is supposed to rotate around his mission. His mission is always central and primary. The problem is, at least the way I've lived my life at times, maybe you have as well, and I think many times the church has, is that we think that our life is here and God's mission revolves around our life. Only one person can be the main character, and I can promise you it's not us. Amen? All of that to say, this is where we're recalibrating our hearts. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, if you guys want to turn there. In the book of Acts, we're going to start with Acts chapter 8 today, but from the earliest pages of reading the, about the early church, you'll find that they were on mission. The English word for mission comes from the Latin word missio. Missio means to send, sending. And so the early Christians' understanding of God was that God was a sending God. He was a God who always sent. That's what he did. His heart, his DNA, was that he was a sending God. The concept then of Missio Dei, the mission of God, is recognition that God is a sending God and the church is a sent people. You and I are supposed to be a sent people, not a come and stay people, but a come and be sent people. Amen? Why is this important? Because I think that if we look at Scripture, we see this is laid out all over the place. If you look at Scripture for just a moment, Jesus is the embodiment of the mission of God. Broken world, needs restored, Jesus comes, he becomes the embodiment of the mission. Through him and his work on the cross, now we have access to God. The Holy Spirit then becomes the power of the mission, and the church becomes the instrument of the mission. And the culture that we live in is the context in which this mission plays out. So Jesus is the embodiment, the Holy Spirit is the power, the church is the embodiment. So everything that we live in is now the context in which the mission plays itself out. So everywhere you go and everything that you are part of is a part of God's plan and his mission because there are people involved and there's hearts involved and there's restoration that needs to happen. So you could say it like this. God sends his son. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sends the church. Amen? So this is a sending God that we follow. The, the Gospel of John alone, over 40 times when you read the Gospel of John, you'll see these words sent. Jesus was sent. And at the very end of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 20, when Jesus is giving his riveting words, he says in John 20, 21, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I don't think we take nearly the time on this verse that we should. Jesus is commissioning his people. He says, ascending God has sent me his son, and ascending son is sending the Holy Spirit, and ascending Holy Spirit is gonna send his church. You are a sent people. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And how did Jesus get sent? It says it. He said he came and was sent to serve and not just be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. He was sent to destroy the works of the devil. He was sent to proclaim freedom to the captives, amen. So we're coming in the same way. He's not done. And so what we have here then is we have this diagram I want to show you real quickly. I think we showed it in here before. But we have this thing where we've got to deal with community, culture, and the word. And so right here in the middle is missional living. So every believer is sent by Jesus for the kingdom's kingdom. We carry with us the cross, the gospel, the good news of Jesus to a culture 
in community, which is right here, in community, Christian community, and it's missional living that's right smack dab in the middle. And so we're invading all three of those spaces every single place we go and every single day that we go. We're supposed to bring the gospel into culture and community. Why is this so important? Because missional hearts are not just about activity. I want you to hear this. Am I asking you to get involved in more activity? No, not asking you to get involved in more activity. So many times we try to tag on a missional heart to just, I just gotta do more. I just gotta have more activity in our heart. Missional hearts are not about activity. A missional heart is about the attribute of God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. God is love. God is peace. God is joy. It doesn't just contain those. He is joy. God is hope. God is missional. Why is that important? Because if I attach a missional heart to activity and I go, well, I'm just going to get more and more involved as much as possible as I can. When I get burned out, and I will, I'll just stop doing all activity together. But if I attribute the missional heart of God to his attribute, then no matter where I'm at and what I'm doing, if I'm just sitting one-on-one with somebody, I can live out his missional mandate. John 20, 21 again, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm sending you, go, make disciples. He'll say it again in Acts chapter 1, that you will go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Every language in scripture for you and I all revolves around being sent and going. And I think that sometimes we think that the primary activity of God is the church. I'm going to say this. He loves his church. He loves his bride. He's trying to get his bride spotless and ready. But the primary activity of God, if we just focus on the church and not recognize that God's primary activity, according to John 3, 16, is the world. For God so loved the what? World that he gave his one and only son. The church is the instrument to reach a broken world that just simply doesn't know him. You and I are in here because we've encountered the living hope of Jesus. We've become the body that I have as a God who wants to redeem a broken world. But for the most part, we hide out for our hour and a half time frames on a Sunday morning. And he's going, this is not what my heart was for the church. As this radical idea. So God has this radical eyesight on a broken world and the church is his instrument to go and bring his redemptive as the sent people of God with missional hearts mission to restore to heal creation to call people back into reconciled relationship with him I'm going to say that again if we're a missional church and our hearts are missional hearts then it would be fundamental for us to understand that the root of God's mission is to restore, to heal, set people free, right? And restore a reconciled relationship with a broken world back to him. So the question that I asked at the start was, if you have a business and you have a mission statement and you're not fulfilling your mission statement, then you're probably not a great business. How's the church doing? And again, it's not a condemnation statement. In Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation. Amen. After the things that the Lord, conviction that stirs our hearts to go, man, are we after the things that the Lord is after? And if we're not, it's okay to step back and be like, we've missed it. Let's get back on track. Amen, church. 
Amen. All right, so here's what we see. So many times when you use the word missions or missionary or missional, the first thing you think of is the guys and gals that jump on airplanes and fly across, you know, fly across the oceans to places. And my heart is that when you, and to go to places that have never been reached with the gospel. I'm praying for more and more and more of that. I'm praying that we will be ascending. We use the word missional. I hope that really what you see is this, that in your heart, You've got God's DNA, and so that wherever you go as a sent person, whether you go to your pickleball court, you know, club, whether you go to your, you know, mom's day out program, whether you go to your PTO meeting, wherever it is that you go, you're a missionary at that place. You're not going to a meeting and then going back somewhere else hoping to do church somewhere. You're going into that meeting to be the church in that place. You're going to bring the word of God. You're not going to give sound advice. You're going to give the wisdom of God in that place. This is the difference. You're going to the pickleball courts to yes, win, and crush everybody. Come on, amen? But then after you've crushed them, to lift them up in Jesus. I'm just, wherever you go, whatever, always radical for the things of Jesus first. First, wherever you go, whatever you do, you are a missionary being sent by the Lord on assignment. When you go to the grocery store because you think you ran out of milk, God put you at the grocery store because somebody needs Jesus there. He's not a God of coincidence. He's a God of purpose and plans. So every place you go, your heart is drawn into that place because you and I are a sent people. Amen. There's two kinds of churches. You've got fellowship churches, and these are where we got to kind of get over some things here. There's fellowship churches and there's missional churches. And let me just kind of break this down, why I think this is important. Fellowship is so key, FYI. Koinonia, fellowship in Jesus is so important. It's awesome. It's beautiful. In no way am I diminishing. We have to have fellowship. Ryan just talked about why we want connection and all of those things. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in the church family. However, if fellowship becomes your primary purpose, if fellowship becomes your primary purpose, you will become a place that is ingrown, losing the missional heart of Jesus. And when you become ingrown and you lose the heart of Jesus, it becomes all about what you want and somehow it has to be attractional to keep me and somehow they didn't play my favorite song and they, they play that one song that we sing over and over and over again. You guys know what I'm talking about. And eventually, right now you're young, but eventually as you get older, you're gonna be those ones going, did you see that they moved the piano the other day? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Because fellowship was our primary function, not being on the mission of Jesus. The problem with the primary purpose existing for fellowship only is it becomes all centered on me. My needs, my wounds, my issues, rather than, uh, than on others. You have needs. You, some of you may feel like you have issues. You have wounds. Look, we... Amen. We walk with you in those things. Let's work through that together. Let's be in fellowship together, knowing that as you're healing through your things, speak that healing into others. So that you're working through your things so that God can help redeem others in their things. It's always a mindset of what's Jesus after. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So then, so that's the fellowship church. Then you got the missional church. The missional church is where the primary purpose 
of existing is the mission of Jesus. It is not focused, listen to me, it's not focused on what happens within these four walls. It's great, yes, come, let's, let's, let's grow together, let's worship together, let's encourage one another, but it's more radically focused on the hearts of every one of you guys. What's happening in your heart? Not the songs, not the sermon, what's happening in your heart? And then how is that stirring you then to leave these doors and go to your pickleball clubs and your PTO and all those things? How is it changing your heart? And if it's not, we've missed the mission statement. It's not about the piano, amen. It's definitely not about the piano. I like that's how you caught that, brother, that's good. So this means whether you jump on planes and fly across the oceans or you go across the street, God's mission in the world ought to be that we will not of this life of this community. Has to be. Or we will not, we will not be the church of Acts. We'll miss it. And so, where do we begin? Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter, one, uh, uh, chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 1 here. And uh, basically what happened is there was this moment where a big event, a chaotic event happened. Stephen was just stoned. And Stephen was the first martyr in the church, and basically he was proclaiming the gospel with some brothers, some other guys were stirring some things up, but they saw him, they grabbed him, they pulled him out, and they stoned him to death. Now when you see a brother stoned to death because of one reason and one reason only, and it was for Jesus, you have two choices. I'm gonna flee and run, okay, or I'm gonna be emboldened and something's gonna happen in my spirit. And praise the Lord they have the Holy Spirit in this moment. Because they did not flee and run, they actually were emboldened. They were scattered because great persecution came, but that scattering only emboldened them. Now, up until this point, what you'll find in the book of Acts is basically only the apostles were the ones that were, were, were evangelizing. Only the apostles were the ones that were doing most of the evangelizing. Leases the church. Listen to this. happens. Stephen is stoned, and it absolutely releases the church. Listen to this. In verse uh, one, and there came, and there, and there arose on that day after his stoning a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. I want you to hear that, in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So those who had been with Jesus, the apostles, those who were doing mostly evangelizing, they stayed in Jerusalem. But do you remember what Jesus says in Acts 1.8? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Where else? Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God is gonna get his way. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, the apostles are staying in Jerusalem, but all these other brothers and sisters that are filled with the Spirit and know the Lord now and have met the Lord and are passionate for the Lord, they're scattering all throughout the regions. Devout men buried Stephen and made lamentation over him, but Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he drug off men and women and committed them to prison. But look what happens in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And look what happens. Here we go. So there was much joy in that city. Amen, church. There was much joy 
in that city. What I want you to see here more than anything else is the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and everybody else was scattered. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the men who had walked with Jesus. Now it was every brother and sister who had ever encountered the Lord and they began to preach the gospel. Now I want, I want you to hear this because I think it's important. When we talk about then what does a missional people look like, a missional people looks like you. Not a missional, missional people look like the guy who plays the guitar super well, the guy who talks really good, the kids guy over there who just crushes it, or the youth pastor with long hair. Yeah, yeah, you got long hair, Jacob. All right, right? <laughs> like, the, the missional people of God looks like you. Me? Who am I? I can't preach like, I don't teach preaching the word. The word, word that Luke uses here when he says they were scattered and they went about preaching the word, the word here is actually a not, not a formal word of preaching. Not like they're typing up their point A, point B, point C. They were having conversation. The word preaching here is like conversation. Everywhere they went, they were having conversation or spreading news or as some would say, spreading gospel. How many of you guys are good at spreading gospel? No, don't raise your hand, I'm just kidding. It was like they were spreading gossip or good news about Jesus. So they weren't preaching in terms of going, I've got to have my sermon and I don't know how to write one. They were just going, have you heard about the goodness of God? He's so good. He's healing people. He's restoring people. I was once lost and now I'm... It was everyday people. And people were drawn into that because it was everyday people, not just those who had been with Jesus. Everyday, blue collar, white collar, rich, poor, whatever this news of who Jesus was. In the book of Acts, from this point on, virtually everyone who encounters the Lord begins to be an evangelist. Everyone. In one day, because of the death of Stephen and mass persecution, I read this quote, the church went from being a community of consumers to a community of providers, a community of hearers to a community of proclaimers. In one day, a brother came up to me after 9.30 service, just tears in his eyes. He says, Pastor, I got to share this with you. He said, did you see what John 20, 21 says? Just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He said, did you catch that? 20, 21. After great catastrophe of 2020, maybe this is the catalyst for the church where just as Jesus was sent, so he's sending us in 2021. And I got chills. I was like, I'm sharing that, man. I'll give you credit, but I'm sharing that. And I'm saying to you as the church, let 2021, 2021, let 2021 be the year where just as the Father sent Jesus, so he is sending us. It is now. It is time. Amen? Holy cow, we got time. Let's do this. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people. You, 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 you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. Listen to what he says. That you, somebody say you. you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you are a believer to your families, to your co-workers sent by God, to your neighborhood, to your friends, to your families, to your co-workers. Missional living, having a missional heart is not a check that we check off of our box. Did that today. It is a lifestyle in which we live. There's a British apologist, theologian named Michael Green, and he says this, the explosive growth of the early church was in reality accomplished by means of informal missionaries. 
Christian lay people, not trained pastors, not trained evangelists, carried on the mission field of the church, not through formal preaching, but informal conversation. In homes, in wine shops, on walks, around market stalls, they did it naturally, they did it enthusiastically. And remember what verse 8 says, and joy fell upon the whole city. This is how Philip ran around. Philip is running around in the context of a culture in Samaria that's been absolutely wrecked. Samaritans don't believe they belong. They don't believe they have value. The Jews treated them like dogs. And so Philip is running around this context of Samaria, and he's proclaiming a God of the universe who loves them through Jesus into the brokenness that Jesus, broken context, and bringing their brokenness into the brokenness that Jesus gave to them on the cross so they could have fullness. This is what it's all about. It's finding that connection with people's hearts and showing them who Jesus is. And that's why, real quickly, number two, the missional heart always connects people to the story of God. A missional heart always connects people to the story of God. I want to read this quote. Broken people can know the one that carried all their pain and suffering of the world and was broken. Uh, and was broken because he was broken for them. The poor can know, listen to this, the poor can know the one who became poor so that ultimately and eternally they can become rich. To those who have never been loved or accepted, they can know the one who was despised and rejected so they can ultimately be loved and accepted. This is how we're bringing the culture of, uh, the, the context of the culture that we're in into Jesus's context. Broken, poor, uh, despised. Jesus was broken. Jesus was poor. Jesus was despised. And yet through him, we're now made whole. Through him, we're no longer rejected, but we're accepted in. Through him, his glorious riches have been deposited into us. This is the story the world wants to hear. Missional church then is always bringing the people's story into the story of Jesus and showing what he's done for their life. And so it's always about incarnational ministry. Incarnational means the God of the universe steps down in Jesus Christ, wraps himself in flesh, and dwells among his people. So the church is incarnational. The church was never supposed to be attractive ministry. Attractive ministry that says, look, if we do these fun things, people will come. And if we do these fun things, people will come. And if we have these awesome things and lights and whatever, like people, because here's the problem with attraction. Attraction always what? Wears off. Attraction wears off. And so all of a sudden, if it was attractional and not incarnational, eventually, you're not, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not attracted to it anymore. But incarnationally, when you see Jesus living and moving and amongst the people, you can see him through you and I. You can see him through the church. You're always going, wow, he's fresh, he's new, he's alive. We've got to get rid of the attractional and get back to the incarnational. It was a marker of the first church. I love how John 1.14 says it out of the message translation. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Do you all live in neighborhoods? You've moved into the neighborhood. Jesus is in you and you've moved into the neighborhood. All right. Where are we at? Last thing. Being a missional community or having a missional heart is all about actively working to restore his creation back to wholeness. Our God is not a partial God. He's not a partial God. He's a whole God. And I'm believing more than anything else, we are the body of Christ. His presence on earth 
His presence on earth fills us through the Holy Spirit and we get to put him on display and we get to help bring wholeness into people's lives. I'm telling you right now, the reason that verse eight says there was much joy that fell upon the city, it doesn't say there was much joy that fell upon the believers in the city. It doesn't say that all the believers were in joy. It just simply says there was much joy in that city. I'm thinking that even those who never came into Christ, they're watching and they're going, I don't know what we're happy about, but we're happy, right? We're seeing people that were lame that we've known for 25. We're seeing people that We're seeing people that didn't have legs. They got legs. We're seeing people that were tormented by spirits their whole life. The spirits have been cast out of them. We're seeing people restored to wholeness. And even though they may not have known who this Jesus is, the whole city was filled with joy. I'm believing Wichita could be filled with joy. Goddard could be filled with joy. And Mays and Hayesville and Cheney and Clearwater and Colwich or wherever you people come from are going to be filled with joy if we just simply trust God in his word. This is it. We've got to have conviction to be stirred in what God is saying to be true. And I believe that it's true. So, band, where are you guys at? Come on up here. Acts 28. You get to the book of, uh, you get to the last chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 28, and here's what you see. Paul is standing before Caesar. We don't get to hear what happens, but we know that he'll later on be killed. You get to see the church kind of come to this moment where they're growing like wildfire, but persecution's coming in, and then all of a sudden it just kind of ends. Like, what, what happened? It's, it's kind of like this, you know, climactic moment, and then all of a sudden you're going, what, what happened? 2,000 years later, 29, the reason is, is because you and I are Acts chapter 29. 2,000 years later, if they wrote in Acts chapter 29, it would have you and I in it. It would have you and I being stirred 2,000 years of going, do we believe in this mission of Jesus? Do we trust that the mission of Jesus is still radically that important? Are we coming to church for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, doing our thing, checking our box, then leaving out the door, and then coming back next week? And I'm saying, that's not what the supernatural church was. If there was an Acts chapter 29 written today, it would be a question to you and I, are we still radical for the mission of Jesus like they were? Do we still believe that people can have wholeness in him? Do we still proclaim the gospel just through everyday talk? God is so good. I just want to tell you about his goodness. Do you go into the grocery store and just share about the joy of the Lord? There's not an Acts 29 because Acts 29 is still being lived out. So here's the deal. I want to pray, and we'll close out. I believe that in this room, and I've shared this with you a little, I want to start things. I want to go down to God's moving in their heart, and they're going, man, I want to, I want to start things. I want to go down and serve the homeless. Like, I want to start a men's group for men that struggle with pornography. There's guys going... I want to start an accountability for guys that are struggling addiction, alcohol, drug addiction. There's people going, I want to start, uh, there's this one gal going, I want to start. There's people that are getting all who've been trafficked in, in the human trafficking, sex trafficking. There's people that are getting all these things birthing on their hearts organically. Nobody's going, would you start this ministry for the church? Hey, could you start this? Nobody's saying, there's one guy who stirred for divorce recovery and all these different things. It's not, would you start these things so that the church can slap its name on it? You are the church. Most of these things are happening outside walls. There's people going, I'm gonna start a prayer group at 6.30 at my business. 
I'm going to go to the club that I'm a part of. I'm going to see if some guys want to do a devotional in the morning. And all of a sudden, the church gets to come alive again. Acts 29, if there was one, starts to write its pages that the gospel is going into all parts of society. It's like that diagram that we showed you. Culture is being invaded by the gospel and community. This is what marks the first church. So if that's you this morning, and you're praying, God, I want to do that. I've got some dreams, but I've got some fear and some worries. What would that look like? What would it be like to start a prayer group at my business? What would it be like to start a Bible study, a mom's Bible study in my cul-de-sac with a bunch of the gals that are home? What would that look like? If there's a little fear in that, but you know God's moving you, I want to pray over you today that that fear would be broken. And if you're going, I don't even know where to start, here's what I'm going to tell you. Start with those that are closest to you. Go home and love your spouse super well today. Go home and pour into your family if you've got your family in your house. If you don't have a spouse, if you don't have family, go into your next door neighbor, knock on their door, invite them over for coffee. It could be big, it could be small, but all of it's kingdom. So would you guys just receive this prayer today? Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we would be a missional people, not because it's a fancy term that, that, that we're all using these days, missional, but truly that we would be a people who are sent, just as you sent Jesus, that if Acts says, so I am sending you, and so I'm praying, God, that if Acts 29 were being written today, it would be about a church in 2021, and I'm not talking about one local church. I'm talking about the Body of Christ Church, capital C. It would be about the church rising up to come to this mandate of being missional men and women that everywhere we go, we are carrying the mission of Jesus. That our life revolves around your mission. That everything that we do stems from this relationship that we have with you. So God, I pray against fear. I pray against worry. What is it supposed to look like? How is it supposed to feel? What if people don't like it? Would you break off all fear? I pray for an incredible boldness, God, to come over your people. And I pray, God, that in humility as a church, as we step, step back and we try to recalibrate our hearts, we're asking for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Would you guys stand up? Let's close out together with this last verse. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.